Hi, everybody. I'm Josh Constein, your host of Press Club, where we bring together the big names in tech to talk about the big ideas. And an idea that has just been sweeping the internet recently is DAOs, the idea of decentralized autonomous organizations where people can pool their labor and their capital to forge projects and do all sorts of interesting things from investing in new companies, building whole projects, buying artifacts, uh, running social clubs, and partaking in philanthropic endeavors. And this is suddenly possible because of these token rewards where you can actually reward your community and DAOs blur this line between customers and fans and co-workers and co-owners. So suddenly all of those people that you formerly might have just paid you can actually work alongside you to build your next big project. So today we're bringing together some of the biggest names in the DAO space in Web3 to talk about the future of DAOs. What are the new use cases we're going to see? What is the societal impact that they're going to have? And what kind of tools do you need to get started and start participating in this new DAO economy. So I'm joined today by the incredible leaders. We've got Yuri Lifshitz, the CEO of SuperDAO, the all-in-one tool for building DAOs, Elaine Zelby from SignalFire, a fund that I also work at, which just invested in SuperDAO's seed round, Kao Wang from DeFi Alliance, now known as Alliance, one of the biggest investors and builders in the space, McLean uh, Wilkinson from NewCypher, and Gabby Goldberg, the famous author of the Web3 reading list. So we have some of these incredible names together, and let's kick it off. I want to hear about why why is this suddenly the thing that everyone is talking about? So Elaine, maybe you could just give us that state of the union. Why now for DAOs? Thanks, Josh. Yeah, so I think when we think about why now is an interesting time for DAOs, there are a few different market forces at play that I think make now an interesting time. One, you start to have this shift towards remote work and a shift in terms of what a company and an organization looks like. And if you've ever tried to hire or pay people internationally, let alone in a different state, it is unbelievably challenging. And so DAOs actually create a really interesting way to do this in a much more simplistic fashion. In addition, you're really seeing this idea of how do we align incentives between our users and customers and our employees. And historically, people didn't have the ability to participate in the upside unless you were an insider in the company. The DAOs are actually creating the structure where you can incentivize users and customers to participate and then be rewarded through tokenization as they participate and, um, you know, essentially are creating, co-creating with the company. And so it expands what a member of your organization really is and looks like. You also have this kind of shifting trust dynamic between traditional corporations and users. And I think that's also leading people to look for different types of organizational structure. And then you start to have the ability to be able to pay people in crypto in general. So whether you're a large company that needs to pay a freelancer or contractor in crypto, because maybe they're in a country with you know an unstable currency, or maybe that's just what they choose to do, you need the ability to have some kind of shared treasury and the ability to transact in crypto. In addition, you're starting to see cool projects on top of that. So not just the corporate structure, but people who are pooling their resources together to try to buy the Constitution, to invest in a sushi restaurant, to buy a golf course, things like that. So that's kind of the state of the world today. Yeah, it seems like there are all these really interesting use cases. I'd love to just hear some more of those so that people get a better sense of like what DAOs could really do. Maybe Gabby uh, or Yuri, you want to jump in and tell us, like, what are some of the things people are building with DAOs right now? Sure, I can jump in. First of all, thanks so much for having me and excited to be chatting and learning from this group of awesome people. DAOs, in my one sentence explanation, are digital communities that are collectively governed to reach a common goal. The interesting thing is they're centered around some kind of common interest or mission or identity, but it doesn't really matter what that thing is. And so some of my favorite examples are for collecting various NFTs. There's Flamingo DAO. For social communities, there's Friends with Benefits or FWB. Forefront is a media and publishing DAO. Party DAO builds software. 
Gitcoin funds, the open web, anything that wants to be governed by its users and have that incentive alignment can technically be a DAO. But those are some of my favorite examples. And Yuri, if you want to add on, please go for it. Yep. Excited to be here as well. So we classify DAOs in a bunch of categories. So first of all, there was, you know, classic categories. So DeFi and, and protocols. So every blockchain, L1, L2, any DeFi protocol is a DAO. Related to that, most Web3 projects now consider themselves either DAOs or like half DAOs. So they might start with traditional C-Corp equity structure, but they directionally go in towards DAO and they start introducing tokens and start thinking whether their kind of long-term endgame is NASDAQ or decentralized exchanges. So essentially any company that you know raises money in the, in the last three months as a Web3 company, any, any DAO tooling company, they might be kind of this hybrid situation where not fully DAO, but they are going there. And then there are investment, as I already mentioned, investment DAOs, investing. There are about four subcategories to investment DAOs. There are you know, investment DAOs to invest more like in venture funds, so like in equity and uh, things like that. There is collector DAOs who more invest in like Flamingo, who invest in NFT art or sometimes in traditional art, like physical art and, and so on. Then there are like more like family offices. So it's a very closed, small group of people who like just have a shared wallet and, you know, just a banter between friends, but still like share, like, you know, a group of friends investing together, let's say. And then there are more like accelerators, like like Chow here from Alliance, which is a hands-on investor who is not just investing, but actively collaborating with projects they invest in and help them grow. And I think Alliance DAO, Chow is leading, is one of the most sophisticated and well-run DAOs out there. They just announced that they are moving towards a DAO structure. So they're kind of in transition from like more traditional structure to a DAO structure. And then beyond investment DAOs, I would say the next category is NFT art projects. So anything on top 100 sellers on OpenSea, you can consider them as a DAO or they're moving, become a DAO. They, they start maybe as a one-time collection, like Bored Apes or CryptoPunks, all those projects. And then they add more and more DAO-like uh, structures around that. And then the next category that's just blowing up in the last three months, and I want to coin a name if no one uh, gave a name before, is property DAOs. So the DAOs that collectively own off-chain property. So that, as was mentioned, Constitution DAO, Links DAO with Golf and Kraus House with a dream of owning an NBA team. So now there is everything, right? Like hospitality or like own a resort, own a ski slope, own this, own a hotel, own a hostel, own a coffee shop together, like Property DAOs in general, I think, are blowing up right now. And then after that, I would say metaverse. So in metaverse, the DAOs are typically not the metaverses themselves, not those like big, uh, you know, imaginary universes, but rather the player guilds, the subgroups inside metaverses that together develop a piece of land, maybe a city within the metaverse or like, um, you know, a territory within it, and and then collectively owning that, building it out, promoting it, make it a kind of marketable and sponsorable location. So this is another area that we see in general, a pattern of a two-tier system. When there is a platform and then there are groups of users on that platform that start DAOs. So you can think like, you know, a hundred YouTubers together become a DAO, a hundred players together become a DAO. Particularly in play-to-earn games, they, they kind of force to become DAOs because the assets they play with are so expensive that individual players cannot compete. So we've seen like um, projects like Perion recently raised a bunch of money for like, you know, things like that. 
It's obvious that there are just an incredibly wide set of use cases for DAOs, specifically because I think what's really interesting is that we're experiencing this era of isolation where people just don't feel affiliated. You you have general religious secularization. You also have people feeling very removed from their communities due to COVID isolation and remote work and just generally the sense of like fraying bonds with polarization in society. And that seems to lead people to say, I really want to be a part of something, like something that's exciting, something where I see my work actually having an effect. And I think that's what's drawing so many people to DAOs right now. It's just that, oh my God, I finally get to be like recognized, rewarded, and influential in some small group. And that could potentially have a really big impact. And I think that's why we're seeing people so interested in flocking to them. Cal, I'd love to hear, you've been an early believer in DAOs. Why do you think people join them? And why is that happening so much right now? So I was actually a victim of the 2016 The DAO hack back in the day. So obviously this is not a new idea. Wait, just give us a quick rundown of what happened with that because I think that was the first time a lot of people ever heard of DAOs and it was kind of a bad first start because it was like, oh, a whole bunch of people lost a bunch of money. Yeah, so the name of the DAO was actually The DAO and I think their first project was wanted to be a, if I remember correctly, it was like just five years ago, but if I remember correctly, I think it was building an Airbnb, decentralized Airbnb of some sort. Then they wrote the smart contract. There was a bug and it got exploited for, I think, over $100 million, which back then was a lot of money because that was a huge... Uh, by the way, so in order to participate in that, people had to contribute ETH. And so the ETH that was exploited in that hack, I want to say maybe 10%, that order of magnitude of the entire ETH supply. So it was a huge deal back in the day. So because of that hack, DAOs were basically dead for the next... Four years. No one wanted to talk about it because, because everyone has PTSD from that incident. But this year started, or I guess maybe uh, last year, Bell started getting traction again. I want to say almost as a result of the rise of DeFi. Part of the reason why people went as DAOs was because of decentralization and to protect themselves from um, securities laws. And then immediately after, we started seeing a bunch of new DAOs, other types, which Yuri just mentioned a bunch of random stuff, which is very interesting. So I think things are happening now. Well, number one, there's a lot more people who have a crypto wallet installed. And two, people are just getting more comfortable with crypto in general. And so they started looking at a bunch of different things, including DAOs. So I think it really grows with the rest of the industry. To play on what Chow just said, I would say NFT boom kind of helped people say, oh, we can raise a bunch of money together and we can form a group. Now we need to continue that journey. So we need the DAO. I think also a big contributor into like the why DAOs have suddenly become so mainstream is they made the leap from decentralized autonomous organizations. So like protocol DAOs essentially, where you get a set of smart contracts that just autonomously runs and emits tokens, for example, to enlist people to do some kind of work. Bitcoin fits the original definition of a DAO. Bitcoin emits BTC as a block reward and hires essentially miners to do work on its behalf. And that was also how a lot of the original vintage of 2017 or so projects that were earnest were building out their networks. They were administered by a set of smart contracts that would just sort of run autonomously on some sort of blockchain. And I think what happened is obviously you had uh, those sorts of protocol DAOs were very successful in 2020 and sort of DeFi summer. But what happened last year and is happening this year is DAOs made the jump to actually kind of not just these persistent scripts that run autonomously on chain, but enlisting humans as decision-making entities that are like much more deeply involved in the functioning of a DAO. 
And I think it's sort of helpful to think of, to kind of split how you think of DAOs in two. So one is this original conception of DAOs is things that just exist on chain and run regardless of whether or not the actual human is doing something. And then these newer kind of distributed organizations, which won't run themselves, you know, if everyone leaves and quits Constitution DAO or Lynx DAO or Board Ape, like the DAO effectively ceases to exist. But it borrows a lot of the concepts and ideas and technologies of the original protocol DAO. And hey, we're getting some mic issues with you, McLean. So I'm going to take it uh, on from you, but I really appreciate that. Yeah, that sounds like the DeFi summer really like exploded this interest in the space. But the problem was that smart contracts are just purely robotic. And that leaves a lot to a lot to be desired in terms of like organizational power and flexibility. And humans really bring that back, it seems like, which I think is really exciting about this. And so, you know, I want to dive in a little bit deeper of like the value of this, because yeah, we hear a lot about like why people are building these, but like, what is the end value? And to me, it really centers around the rewards. The idea that typically if you want to be rewarded for participating or building something, it's because you are a full-time employee or like a part time employee, which means you're pretty limited in how many projects you could take on. And sometimes it meant you were being like an independent consultant or a contractor or a freelancer, but that meant that you weren't really collaborating very much. It was like you connecting to one really big organization and you were kind of stuck on the outside. But to me, the power of DAOs is the idea that you can sort of crowd reward so that you get a ton of people, like a huge army of allies who help you build whatever you're trying to build. And so if you want to say like, if you do a little bit of work, you can get the tiny bit of rewards. You know, if you have put a lot of work in, you get a ton of these tokens, which lets you vote on the future governance decisions. If you have even more tokens, then you get to propose things that the DAO might do in the future. And so it kind of titrates to however much you want to participate. And I think that that's great in an era where people are totally multitasking. Everyone has all these side hustles, but people get excited about projects easily and they want to be able to quickly spin up some effort, work on something for a little while, maybe see its impact and then move on to the next thing or keep it in sort of a a stable of different little projects that they work on. And so we'd love to hear a little bit of like maybe Elaine, uh, why you think people, uh, why this reward structure is valuable and, you know, why, what we're going to see that's built out of this that you couldn't build with a traditional corporate structure. To me, everything comes down to incentive alignment. So in general, when you can figure out what another party is incentivized by, what are you incentivized by and a way to align the two. That is how magic happens. And oftentimes in the traditional corporate structure, it's very, very hard to do that. And also you have many different parties. You have potentially users, buyers, internal people, leadership. You have a a very weird web of hierarchy um, and asymmetric information. With a DAO-like structure, you have the ability to create what I almost think of as like true meritocracy. So what people do is rewarded in real time and that can almost be built into smart contracts. So it truly is something where it is a one for one. What you do is what you get, as opposed to, I mean, I think we've seen even more recently in the news, many famous oopsies when people have been laid off because, you know, companies think that half of their employees are just coasting, which they very well might be. I mean, that's just on the you know corporate side. But I think if you look at in general, any type of community, when you want to bring people together to achieve some kind of action or, or do something, The ability to truly align incentives and reward participation to me just brings a whole new level uh, to the playing field. And this is something that you really can't do without a DAO structure. I thought about this a lot and I've asked myself, what is fundamentally different between DAOs and traditional structure? And thinking from first principles, it all boils down to removing the traditional legal friction that is involved. 
So it transcends the traditional legal framework. Now, from that, you can derive two very interesting benefits or value propositions of DAOs. Number one is, for the first time, we're able to set up some sort of uh, incentive alignment structure between people around the world. And that's really important because you're able to set up an organization that's transnational. Using the traditional legal framework, it's very hard to do that because every nation has their own legal framework. So that's number one. Number two is, basically to Elan's point, you're able to incentivize members a lot more easily than using the traditional legal framework. And the, the example I like to give is, imagine DAOs were available to Uber in its early days, and Uber wanted to incentivize its drivers. It was almost impossible for Uber to make their early drivers as equity holders, because just imagine the amount of legal work that needs to go into that, given how many thousands of drivers they had. But with smart contracts, and in particular with tokens, it's a lot easier to drop tokens to tens of thousands of drivers. And the reason why we're able to do that is because we transcend the legal framework, which has a lot of friction. So I think these two are two of the most important value propositions of DAOs. Does that make the DAO structure kind of uh, vulnerable to like regulatory risk? You know, if they're saying, hey, the reason we have these, uh, you know, these structures or these, um, you know, these rules, like the 500 shareholder limit, where if you have too many shareholders, you have to go public. Uh, the idea is that, you know, that that's designed to protect shareholders. So does that mean that we're kind of at risk of this? Or of like something changing where, you know, they say, hey, no, like the transaction processing fees that are designed to go to, you know, KYC and AML to prevent terrorism funding or the idea that, you know, this 500 shareholder limit, like, you know, if they if the government tries to impose that on this, are, are DAOs in trouble or is it just really beyond uh, the government's ability to like uh, to regulate? Because, you know, they just like in, unless there's really money changing hands, it's tough for them to get involved. I think what's fair to say is everyone is still operating in the gray area. But there's definitely, what I want to say, four areas of risks that almost no DAOs is really thinking through. Number one is the securities laws for tokens. That's probably the one area where most people are thinking about. But there are three other areas that almost no one is thinking about. The second one being AML, KYC stuff. The moment you start transferring money within the DAO and across DAOs, you may potentially run into those issues. The third one is fiduciary duties for DAO members. Like when the DAO is, depending on how the DAO is structured, some, if not all of them, may be considered as fiduciaries and therefore they may have fiduciary duties. And in particular, DAOs that are completely on-chain, they risk having all their members being considered as a general partnership, which means that all of them might be liable for the DAO's actions. And then the fourth area is the tax and you know, direct liabilities. Like for instance, if the DAO is poorly structured, then their members might be subject to unfavorable tax rules. The reason why I know these things is because Alliance DAO is building our own DAO and we have to get all these things sorted out. But I know for a fact that most people are not thinking about this yet. I'd love to hear some more of the practical use cases of what the benefits have been of working with DAOs. Gabby, are you in any DAOs right now? And like, what have you seen them be able to build recently? Yeah, sure. So first, I just wanted to quickly add to Chow's point about, you know, like, what if Uber were a DAO? I think about this all the time. I think an interesting modern day example is Wikipedia. I'm not sure how often uh, the listeners or any of you guys go on Wikipedia, but oftentimes you'll see this big banner at the top that says, we need money to survive. Please support us. If you go on Wikipedia every day, please, you know, donate a cup of coffee or something like that to us. 
And it's crazy if you think about the people who are unpaid contributing to Wikipedia every single day. And you think about the amount of people who view Wikipedia. I think it's one of the most viewed sites. And they need to basically beg for donations to exist. And if this were a decentralized organization, I think it would look very different. On that note, though, I think as we've already seen in this conversation, the acronym DAO is oftentimes quite misleading. As Chow said, when DAOs were created, they were autonomous. And now, not necessarily for worse, I think for a lot of interesting use cases, you see people quite involved in DAOs. And it's essentially just groups with incentive alignment. And so, for example, like Kraushaus is a DAO that I'm a part of that I think is a lot of fun, working together to try and build a treasury large enough to buy an NBA team. This is not really autonomous. And it's also not super decentralized because to a degree, there's an amount of centralization when a DAO is beginning that is really helpful. So generally, I like to think of it as just kind of a, um, what I said earlier, a digital community that is collectively governed. What that allows for is it allows every member of a community to be mutually incentivized towards that community's growth and development. So there's upside, right? Which is what we talked about, but there's also liquidity. So if at any point you want to leave a group, you can sell those tokens, or if you wanted to buy more upside because you think whatever you're working on is that meaningful or that valuable, could do that as well. The interesting thing that maybe we can get into later is once those tokens start to become a part of your identity, it starts to bleed into how these organizations work and how they're viewed from the public eye. I think like one example that we've all seen is like social clubs like FWB pricing out lots of people who may have been helpful members. And I think where we're moving in that sense is DAOs being much more about what you actually do on chain and much less about what you have or what it means to kind of purchase your way in. Yeah, I think that brings up a great point about accessibility, that like for DAOs to be able to remain really powerful, they can't just become something where after they get a little bit popular, they totally price out everybody else. And so I think that that's the real opportunity. I think what I'd love to see is more DAOs thinking about like scholarship programs and ways to like earn to DAO, the way that you can figure out a way to you know earn your way into a DAO, even if you aren't in it already. And we're seeing this a little bit in like NFT communities where you know if you participate and engage heavily in the white layer on the Discord, you get access to like the pre-sale mint. And so you can get some extra upside there or just get in first. And I think that that's really smart. And I would love to see more DAOs do that because if you don't, you could end up with kind of a monoculture, which might in some ways recreate some of the problems that we see in San Francisco, where you know the, it's been a, you know, a historic hub for technology, but because rent got so high, it became kind of the place where hackers and scrappy builders couldn't really afford to live. You had to live either really far out on the outskirts or just had to move somewhere else entirely. And that's led to a bit of a brain drain here and a little bit less energy than we saw in the early 2010s. So definitely hope that that doesn't recreate in the metaverse and the in the Web3 uh, digital space, because uh, I want to see DAOs really making sure they make themselves available to everyone. On that point, I think what's super interesting recently is a significant number of DAOs in, in DeFi and Web3 and in other areas have very significant on-chain treasuries that are managed by the DAO or some sort of appointed or elected uh, multi-sig council. And so there are actually lots of opportunities for people to come in to contribute in some way to the DAO, whether it's contributing to a code base, creating content, creating documentation, creating marketing materials, tutorials, basically like a very broad range of activities and be actually paid for that. So what we see with Threshold, which is the DAO that I contribute to and is the merger of New Cypher and Keep, the community has essentially self-organized itself into various guilds. So there's a marketing guild. There's a treasury guild, there's an integrations guild, and those guilds get allocated some portion of the treasury. And so it's very viable in some cases for people to not have 
a quote unquote real job at all, but exclusively just to do work for DAOs and get compensated for that work in native tokens or governance tokens or from the treasury in some way. It's also a much smaller headache than if you're a, you know, a traditional company trying to pay like contractors across international lines. It's such a headache, requires all of this you know, legal work, and that doesn't really help you actually get any work done. Yeah, exactly. It's much more accessible to people who might otherwise not have an opportunity at all to be employed by a Delaware C-Corp or you know, a Silicon Valley startup. Awesome. I want to flag three trends that McLean just mentioned uh, that I think will play in a much bigger uh, stage very soon. One is DAO mergers and acquisitions. So McLean's company, New Cypher, just did a merger with another DAO, basically 50-50 merger. Each of the companies was like a billion or billion plus sized operation. So it's a huge merger in the crypto world. And I think we'll see more mergers and acquisitions between DAOs. So that's one big thing. Another something that McLean just said is the guilds, the departments or pods or whatever they're called. So essentially DAOs become so big that they create sub-DAOs. So they create the subdivisions and those divisions also become DAOs. So I think that's, that's another interesting trend. And the third trend that I think will play out as a press story is there would be a few select people who make a ton of money as DAO contributors or DAO workers. And I think we need those role models. It's like Johnny is 17 years old and working in seven DAOs and making like half a million a year. So I think those stories will really help out because they will show alternative career paths in the DAO world. Those journeys already exist. We just need to highlight them. And now I want to go back to the Gabby's point on like how to bring uh, inclusion and kind of accessibility of the DAOs if the DAO membership is so expensive. And I think what we've seen in our practice is that most new DAOs that are starting today in 2022 are actually doing either NFT first or NFT and token in parallel. So they don't do token first, they do either NFT or NFT plus token. And what they do is they do NFT for membership, typically on a very low price or a complete airdrop based on the whitelist, uh, as well as maybe, you know, high-end premium NFTs for influencers or status-oriented contributors. And then they separately, they do tokens for capital providers, for professional investors who put money into the treasury, as well as full-time employees who get tokens. And the tokens that go to uh, like full-time employees and the investors are typically early on non-tradable. And that is achieved either because they are soft, so like PDF documents, promises of future tokens, or they are token warrants alongside with traditional equity. Again, it's like PDFs, not on chain, or they are locked tokens. So it's a tokens on chain, but they are not allowed to be transferable for the time being. And that allows to give people basically a numerical digital percentage of the upside without creating too early of a pressure on the DAO to achieve like high levels of liquidity and like maintaining exchange rates and all that stuff. Uh, so kind of buying time for the DAO to figure out their kind of the exchange strategy and at the same time providing a fundraising opportunity. And that also helps with security law because if you only sell uh, tokens privately or give tokens for the effort, so you don't sell tokens to general public and they're non-tradable, then you're basically not in the violation of security law. And on the NFT side, basically people design either multi-tier system or maybe there is a cheap tier or free tier and expensive tier and tier that only can be achieved through like effort and contribution. And so I will want to flag what, what SuperDAO here is doing is we actually help design the smart contracts for DAOs that describe those structures. The NFT only or NFT plus token, non-tradable tokens, tradable later. So if you're starting a DAO and you need to figure out how the hell I write the smart contract that describe all those new structures, you just DM me on Twitter and we get you some help. 
I love the idea that DAO workers can earn real equity in projects, even with part-time work, because that has historically not been possible. Unless you were kind of a really well-known, big-name advisor to startups, it was pretty rare that you'd get equity for doing anything less than full-time work. And the potential for people to spread their skills around and say, hey, my skill might be very surgical. It might be like, it doesn't take a lot of time to administer, but it drives a lot of value. And you could actually like dance between a bunch of different DAOs, earn equity that could Really become worth something long term. Whereas if you were trying to do that as a freelancer or a contractor, you might only be able to get paid cash and sort of lose out on some of that potential upside. So with that, let's jump into what's next, which is I want to talk about this concept of TAOs, which is this acronym I kind of made up to describe how we're going to see a lot of new DAOs created by traditional companies. Like they're not going to be fully decentralized. So, you know, if that's like your orthodoxical view, like they have to be totally decentralized, this isn't that. But instead, what I think we're going to see is a lot of big big traditional companies who want to participate in the Web3 world. They want to be able to buy things with crypto. They want to be able to issue rewards. They want to make NFTs. And I think what you're going to see is them building what I call a TAO, which is a transformed autonomous organization instead of a DAO, which is effectively a like Web3 subsidiary within their company, which lets them have a wallet and you know build a small group of contributors, maybe reward some people on the outside and actually start to transact in the Web3 world. So I'm pretty excited because TAOs mean that the DAO market market has an opportunity to grow even beyond what's the sort of native Web3 communities, but instead to all of these traditional organizations that want to get involved with crypto. So we'd love to hear, are you guys seeing this yet? Have you seen many like traditional corporations starting to experiment in Web3 and like building their own DAOs or having their own wallets? I think one cool example here is what we see in music. First, actually, I'll say I love the acronym TAOs. I've also heard from Jacob Horn over at Zora, the idea of an OO, an on-chain organization. I love that one as, as well. And I think it's a much better acronym for a lot of like the quote-unquote DAOs that we see out there today. With the music example, traditionally, as a fan of someone, as that artist gets bigger and more famous, your experience as a fan progressively gets worse, right? Like concert tickets get more expensive. The stadiums get bigger. They probably won't know your name anymore. The merch is more expensive. And what if there was a way to actually scale your relationship with an artist and actually be invested in their ability to grow? There's been a lot of cool companies that we've seen enabling traditional music artists and traditional creators to be able to enable that type of new fan relationship. And so we've seen like Royal, Catalog, Sound, Medallion, and Doomsday are both trying to help this fan relationship side. And I think that's one really cool verticalized use case allowing traditional, you know, creators and artists and figures connect with their fans in a more meaningful way. Yeah, I love seeing more bands getting used to that. So finally, if you were the first person to believe in a band, you can actually earn some upside in it with these new NFTs with royalties. And you know, these creators saying that like, why would I want my relationship with my fans or customers to be one way? Why would I want it to just be a broadcast relationship where I just spray content at them and hope they buy it? When instead, you could actually have them be part of your street team, like incentivize them with rewards and tokens through your DAO to help you spread the word about your art. And I think that that's an incredible opportunity that we're going to see play out across a bunch of other organizations as well. I would add another scenario that I see across multiple use cases, which is that traditional company will dedicate a small percentage of their revenue to the Web3 enabled subsidiary and allow that percentage of revenue to be managed by the customers. So imagine like you are like a bank for small businesses and you or like a bookkeeping company and you have a bunch of small businesses as the customers and you give them, you know, 5% of your total revenue say, hey, Let's build more stuff that you really want and let the community of customers to decide what we actually want together and how to build it. 
So essentially, you it's a community-directed funds. Another one example related to that would be creator funds. So YouTube and TikTok and all the stuff, Instagram, they pioneered the idea of creator funds when the company will incentivize good content creators on the platform. But in the early days of creator funds, the creator funds were directed by the company. So YouTube will decide who gets YouTube grant. In the, in the kind of next iteration of that, the more kind of Web3 native one, not only YouTube like has a, you know, a creator fund to fund, I don't know, YouTube shorts or something, but it is creators who decide who will get those creator funds. And I think uh, that's where things are going. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about building DAOs because unfortunately, until now, it has been incredibly difficult to actually build a DAO. You kind of have to cobble together these dozen different like point solutions. There are all these you know kind of hardcore crypto engineer based tools in order to just like plug them together. You know, for a member directory, a treasury, your wallet, being able to actually communicate between users and members, being able to make proposals and vote on them, actually have governance. You know, it's been really difficult and you have to both know what these tools are, vet them all, and know how to actually stitch them all together, which can be a huge engineering effort. And so that's why it's super exciting that just yesterday, SignalFire, our venture fund that me and Elaine work at, announced that we've invested and are leading the $10.5 million seed round for SuperDAO, which is Yuri's company. It's an all-in-one DAO platform where basically it does everything you need. One click to start your own DAO, launch it on the blockchain, create a treasury, fund it, you know, start governance proposals, communicate about them, create a member directory, have everyone be part of this, be able to issue rewards and tokens, create NFTs, and eventually being able to you know, hook into all these other traditional architectural tools for DAOs in Web3 and be able to create a whole ecosystem surrounding SuperDAO so that whatever it is you want to build with a DAO, you can. So Yuri, I'd just love to hear a little bit about like why you guys are building this. And if people are out there and want to start their own DAO or curious about this, how they can get involved. Awesome. Thank you. Thank, and thanks for investing in us and supporting our vision. <laughs> so we want to help start a million DAOs. We believe DAOs are an awesome form of organization that can achieve a lot of things that traditional companies would not be able to achieve or would achieve much slower. We think that making DAOs easier is good for the world. It will help more international creativity, more younger, more opportunity for younger people, more opportunity for people who were like outcompeted by traditional monopolies. As you said, uh, today starting a DAO very hard. Uh, the first thing where we are helping out new DAO creators is with smart contracts. Because before you have all the tools, before you have the treasuries and votings and whatnot, you need to put a few bits on the blockchain. Basically, put the kind of bylaws of your company or charter or constitution of your company. It description how your company works. What are the roles are, how many total, what kind of the equity or ownership or membership structure you use, who can overwrite what decisions, and maybe even how to close your DAO. Like not just how to start your DAO, but how to close it too. So we help with that. And the way we help with that is through kind of very easy to use, no code, smart contract generation. So you come to us, we give you a long questionnaire in a human language. You just say, I want that, I want that, I don't want that, I want this. And then we help you to produce the smart contract that does exactly what you wanted in a human language. Once you have the smart contract on the blockchain, the smart contract is written in a way that anyone can read from it. So any third-party tool, any voting tool, any treasury tool, any payment tool, any member communication tool can read from that kind of smart contract, and then they provide a piece of functionality. What we want to do then is to simplify your journey further and provide you a few built-in kind of interfaces that coming together with every smart contract we deploy. And the four most important pieces are 
treasury dashboard. It's not a full treasury, it's more like a treasury dashboard. That means you just see all your wallets in one place, all the assets, and some of them are controlled by multi-sig groups, some of them by individuals and different tokens and different chains and different nominations, whatnot. So kind of treasury dashboard is one, member directory is the other one. Newsfeed to distribute the information from DAO to its members is a third piece. And the fourth piece is a task board and compensation. This is where you publish the tasks for your contributors and distribute rewards and compensations. So those four pieces are coming kind of out of the box with a smart contract that we deploy. But our smart contracts are open for interoperability. That means that any third-party tool should have an easy time to read information from there. I want to flag an organization that just started recently called DAOSTAR. DAOSTAR is Interoperability Council for DAO Tools. So this is where every DAO tool who, like in the every day of the week, maybe compete with each other. At one day of the week, we all come together in the DAO star and say, hey, how can we make sure that all our tools are work together? And so we are looking forward for the standards to be published by DAO star. DAO star will propose Ethereum-based proposals. I think they're having a big announcement for ETH Denver. So keep an eye on them. And that's how we want to build basically an open integration ecosystem around SuperDAO. I love this idea because you know, we still need to all work together to grow this pie. Like we are not at the late stage of you know DAO and Web three capitalism where it's like oh no the pie is saturated. We just need to like fight it out for our slice. And I think we're still in this very early era where the more that people collaborate, the more they cooperate to integrate and interoperate, the more interesting use cases and things are going to get built, which is going to grow attention for the space, which is going to flood it with more people, more talent, more capital, and as a Able to actually make a bigger impact on the world. So I'm really excited about the whole Web3 space has been so communal. I mean, you see it right from the acronyms like GM and everyone just wishing each other good morning is the idea that like we're all kind of in this together. And I really love that ethos. Elaine, would love to hear just like your perspective on how where you think you know DAOs are going and why you wanted to invest in SuperDAO. I think a lot of what we've kind of touched on in terms of just the wide variety of opportunities that you see within DAOs and the kind of variety of structures that it can take and the people that it can touch. You know, I think right now is a very interesting time as we start to see a lot of it evolve in terms of what can be a DAO and who is actively involved. And then you'll start to see a lot of overlap in terms of people being involved in multiple things based off of various affinity groups. So we discussed a lot of things, whether it's from a property type DAO, an investment DAO, a corporate DAO, people are going to now have their hands on a lot of different things which is really cool because now you have the ability to have upside in many different things as opposed to tying yourself to just one company or having to invest in things you know manually like that. This is much more based on affinity. So I think we're going to start to see, you know, Yuri has kind of predicted the rise of a million different DAOs in the next year potentially. And I think we could start to see an explosion of what a DAO is and what we see as a DAO. And I think with tooling like SuperDAO, it can really help uh, enable that because today the biggest challenge is actually getting it off the ground. When you ask DAO admins or organizers so far how complicated it's been to even get something launched, it's really painful. And if you look at their stack, it is truly a mess of Discord spreadsheets and you know a few other crypto native tools. And so I think by building the no-code, low-code, simple one-click tooling can really kind of help enable that next million DAOs. Okay, so I want to ask a little bit about what the challenges facing DAOs are. What are the next big things on the horizon that the community needs to work together to overcome to make sure this you know DAO-focused future actually does emerge? Anyone have ideas of like what do they think are the big blocks or obstacles facing the ecosystem? I'll start, but McLean has the biggest visibility as he runs the biggest DAO out here. From what I see is, again, it's coming back to the smart contracts. So you want smart contracts to be upgradable. Because if you wrote your smart contract for the DAO once, 
and you have no easy ability to upgrade it, then you get stale very soon. Maybe you want to add another tier of membership. Maybe you want to have a sub-treasury. Maybe you want to have on-chain information about your members beyond their wallet address and start building member profiles. Maybe you have different forms of contribution and so on. Maybe you start another big area, by the way, is what I would call agents of record, DAO agents of record or off-chain bridges. So essentially how DAO can work off-chain, how DAO can own a property, how DAO can employ a person or uh, have a fiat nominated bank account. And the, the, the solution to that is the DAOs would have um, an agent of record. So they will engage if an individual person or a, a professional organization, most likely led by a lawyer who represent the DAO interests, maybe holding a property on their behalf and things like that. But to do that, you need to uh, sign in a traditional legal agreement between a DAO and traditional entity. And to do that, for example, one of the things we're going to include in our smart contracts is a feature called a legal folder or a document folder. So on your on-chain organization can actually have a folder with a talk of traditional document signed with off-chain organizations with whom you partner. And I predict that basically every DAO of the future will have an on-chain legal folder to kind of facilitate off-chain relationships. So I'll pass it to McLean for more ideas. Sure. So I think from my perspective, the biggest challenge by far is just the coordination challenge, especially when DAOs start to scale and have hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of members. And the reality of today, and hopefully maybe SuperDAO will help change this, but the reality of today is that most DAOs, their operating system is basically Discord. And I think the most acute problem with that coordination is onboarding new contributors. Is you land in a Discord, and basically you're probably in several dozen other Discords. There are dozens of channels. There are hundreds of messages. And it's very difficult to find kind of your entry point on like, how do I start contributing to this DAO? What types of activities are a priority for the DAO? Who do I work with to do that? Where do I submit the work product that I've done? How do I know that it's useful? How do I know that it's valuable? How do I get compensated for that potentially on the back end? And it, it's extremely challenging for new entrants and new contributors. Like a lot of this is also just kind of figuring out as we go what kind of organizational structures work well for DAOs. And are we going to borrow certain patterns and, and structures from the traditional corporate world that work well there? Maybe they also work well in DAOs. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people are drawn to DAOs because they dislike the hierarchy of a traditional job and they're looking for something where they're not having someone peering over their shoulder and they're able to work on their own time on the things that they find interesting. So I think by far our biggest challenge is the DAO, you know, aside from you know, the actual product that or service that the DAO is providing is this inter-DAO sort of coordination problem. Yeah, I, I know that I am just absolutely flooded with discords. And it's like, it's so funny because I mean, this is a tool that was meant for like small groups of friends to be able to organize playing video games online. And the fact that it has ballooned into this system that's supposed to be the sort of communication channel of record for these massive organizations with like tens or even hundreds of thousands of members, it just really isn't built for that at all. And the lack of anything resembling like a task management system or, you know, a way to really organize things beyond like a a few pinned posts in like an announcement channel it makes it really really difficult to organize so i will hope to see you know either traditional task management and you know work organization systems like asana build better web3 integrations or that we see some new products entirely emerge that are designed specifically to solve these communication problems but also excited that superdao is building that kind of like news feed for being able to you know bring up proposals and understand what the most important things are going on but we still probably do need that like wider 
general chat channel, but maybe not locked inside something that totally wasn't built for it like Discord, as much as I love Discord. Anybody else just like fully exhausted with Discord? Not to mention Discord went down the other day and our entire organization just lost contact with each other. DAOs around the world were in shambles. Exactly. I mean, it was pretty funny, though, because I know a lot of people were like, oh, my gosh, my brain is finally quiet. Like, I can finally actually get things done because there's not new messages coming in. It felt like when Slack goes down for, like, the Web 2 work world where you're just like, oh, like, oh, if Gmail or Slack is down, like, I just, like, push back from my desk and I'll see you tomorrow. There is a thing called streamer mode in Discord. And if you enable that, it's going to make things a little bit more quiet. I will definitely need to try that out. Okay, so in a second, I'm going to jump back and I want to hear everybody's sort of hope for the future about where they want to see DAOs go and what they want to see them address uh, going forward. But first, I'm going to recap some of the biggest points from today's show. So we talked through all of the diverse you know, use cases for DAOs. You have investment DAOs where people are pooling capital to buy things. You know, these new uh, real estate DAOs or these off-chain DAOs where they're trying to build buy off-chain properties uh, or entities so that they can operate them in a new way like LinksDAO buying a new golf course. You have things like um, social club DAOs, like FWB, Friends with Benefits, which are building you know, these in-group clubs where people can sort of socialize and share and build together. You have project DAOs that are building entire new startups without the traditional corporate structure. Philanthropy DAOs helping to, you know, to work on charity projects and art DAOs and NFT drops. So much more. So there's an incredibly wide variety of things that you can do with DAOs, including these new TAOs that we were talking about or transformed autonomous organizations organizations where traditional corporations are actually going to start building subsidiaries that are DAO-like so that they can interact with the world of Web3 and crypto. But if we zoom back out, like why is this all happening? I think it's part of this secularization and this feeling of isolation. Like People are desperate for a way to affiliate. They want a way to feel part of something, to feel recognized, to feel like they have an impact amidst you know remote work and COVID isolation and secularization of society and polarization and everyone just feeling a lot further apart from their neighbors, their coworkers, their friends. And so I think we all are seeking new ways to feel like we're part of something big. And that's one of the great promises of DAOs. We talked about why these are important. And it's really about the alignment of incentives. If you have these tokens that are super easy to shift around, you can transfer them relatively cheaply and you can reward people without a ton of legal overhead that comes with equity compensation or just even setting up a payroll in internationally. You know, With tokens, you can incentivize not just core contributors, but a huge army of allies to help you with whatever it is that your project's trying to undertake. And you know, if you want to go far, you go together. And I think that, that concept of rewards and alignment incentives is so powerful and you can finally blur or even erase the line between a user or customer and a co-owner or co-creator. And I think that that's really exciting because we all want to be part of something big. That said, part of what's making these DAOs exciting is their ability to bypass some regulatory limits like the 500 shareholder limit. And so I think we're going to have to be careful of how legal liabilities exist. And I think there's going to be a big opportunity for legal firms that uh, act both in sort of uh, a consultant basis to make sure people are doing things to reduce their legal liability while operating a DAO, but also so that they can operate offline. The idea of having like a verified agent who allows a DAO to interact with the real world, to be able to have a fiat bank account 
or do IRL payroll. I think that's going to be really, really important going forward. And I think that's actually a huge opportunity for like a new legal startup space to happen. And we want to see is DAOs that are inclusive. You know, it's easy for if a DAO gets popular for the NFTs or tokens to become super valuable, which is great for existing members, but it also kind of prices out new people who might want to join. So I think it's really important that we think about how do you have a scholarship structure or a work to membership platform so that people who are outside of the DAO at the start, who want to join, who prove their interest, who prove that they really want to participate and help can find their way in without having to pay thousands of dollars or even a lot more in some cases. And, you know, I think we all see that there's some opportunities for better communication within DAOs. You know, Discord is really unscalable and doesn't work at these the massive numbers of people that you people that you see on some of these servers, not to mention having like hundreds of different servers in parallel that you're all interacting with. So that's why we're super excited at SignalFire that we've invested in in, uh, in Yuri's company, SuperDAO, which is an all-in-one DAO platform. So you can set up your smart contracts with help using these templates, launch on-chain with a single click, set up a treasury, set up a member directory, run voting proposals for governance, be able to communicate through a feed, be able to find talent through their talent network. And I think this sort of Shopify of DAOs is a really exciting idea. If Shopify created these really easy and intuitive back-end commerce and storefront tools to be able to mint a huge number of new entrepreneurs, new small business merchants, I think the same thing is possible with SuperDAO for the Web3 community, where it doesn't have to just be hardcore crypto engineers who know how to cobble together all these fragmented point solutions, but instead anybody can take advantage of this concept of aligning incentives with your community. So with that, I want to kick it around the horn and ask each of you, what are you excited about for the future of DAOs? What do you want to see them build or work on? Maybe we'll start with Gabby. Sure. I mentioned this kind of at the start of the conversation, but my hope for 2022 is we start to rethink the value of a token from the ground up. In my opinion, the decentralized communities of tomorrow will be centered around what we do and not what we have. I think this will be accomplished through pre-existing on-chain data, but also through a more robust DAO onboarding process that better enables communities to better understand prospective members, their values and their goals and what they want to achieve in that community. And I think if we can do this, capital won't be the primary status symbol in Web3. Instead, it's going to be how many communities you're a part of or how many things you've done online. And that's what I'm really excited to see this year. Amazing. McLean, I'd love to hear your perspective on what you want to see happening as one of the operators of one of the largest DAOs. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my hope will be sort of specific to more protocol DAOs than maybe some of the other interesting ideas and experiments that are happening. But I think for me, for DeFi and, and Web3 DAOs, I want us to see make as much progress away from kind of the dino DAOs, like decentralized and name only, that are super reliant on a core team, and make as much progress as quickly as we can towards truly decentralized DAOs that can survive a core team, you know, leaving, going away, and that can weather what might potentially be uh, extended. You know, if we go into another crypto winter, or if there's more significant regulatory enforcement around DAOs, I want these protocols and these DAOs and these products to and services to persist and to succeed and, and to be around and to be able to weather that. Amazing, thank you, Xiao. Uh, for me, the single most exciting future for DAOs is for DAOs to become digital nations. So I think the largest DAOs in the world in a couple of decades, they will become potentially as powerful and as wealthy as some of the smaller physical nations. And maybe half a century from now, they will be as big as the most powerful nations in the world in history. And that is because for the first time, we're able to do property rights via encryption, laws via smart contracts, international trade via DeFi. So I think really digital nations is the ultimate 
addressable market for DAOs. And in fact, many DAOs today are building that, even if they're not entirely aware of it, or even if they're not publicly saying it. For instance, the gaming guilds is basically a uh, digital nation of gamers. We at Alliance DAO, we're building a digital nation of builders and founders. And eventually we're going to see digital nations of many other types. So that's really the, the single most exciting thing for me. It doesn't sound that far-fetched when you think that like some of the big Web2 companies like Facebook basically have more users than most countries or all countries in this case and exert incredible political power. And so if you think that those are still run by you know, a very small cadre of people or in some cases even just one person has full control, Isaac, thanks for coming on the show a few months ago. The idea that a group that could have a huge impact, a huge army of contributors and stakeholders, it seems like you know, you're just multiplying the potential impact that they could have. So definitely seems possible. Elaine, would love to hear your perspective on what you want to see next come out of Web3 and the DAO ecosystem. So I'll do two really short ones. One, you know, I think that I'm excited about or most excited about is just the opportunity that it presents for people who were not presented with opportunity. I think the internet was the phase one of connecting people not by proximity, but by interest. And that was a huge step in the right direction. And this to me is an exponential step function change in terms of that opportunity that is more spread evenly. What I want to see in the short term, which may be a controversial take, is actually a little bit more clarification or even wink, wink, nudge, nudge on the regulatory side. And that could take the form of a lot of different things. But I think Having some even mild indication of how people are leaning, and this is just talking about the U.S., I think that there's going to be different things happen internationally, but based off of where we are, I would actually like to see either one of two things, some indication of how it's going to land from a regulatory framework perspective, or secondly, is more like what happened with Bitcoin, where you start to see such large institutions coming on board so that you get to the point where you feel like, it's fine. Like we could do what we want and there are bigger fish that are going to protect us. Those are the things that I would actually love to see in the short term. Amazing. And Yuri, we'd love to hear your perspective on what you want to see built next. Yeah. So on a, on a technical side, I'd like to see templates. I'd like uh, to make it so ridiculously easy to start uh, a DAO that instead of thinking through like the strategy, the promotion, the marketing, the structure, you just answer a bunch of multiple choice questions. This, 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 and this. And you click a bunch of clicks, and then you have the DAO right, ready to go, especially for templatizable areas like investment DAOs. That should be all based on templates, at least to get things started, or NFTR DAOs and things like that. So that would really accelerate us from you know, tens of thousands of DAOs of today to hundreds of thousands and, and eventually to a million of DAOs of tomorrow. On the cultural side, I'd like to see the DAO culture emerge. And there are so many things to be excited about. In particular, careers for Gen Zs. I see students from elite universities like you know Stanford and Yale's of the world being more interested this summer, 2022, to work for a bunch of DAOs instead of going for Facebook or Google. So I see international founders who are saying we no longer need to travel to the United States and uh, open Delaware Corp and be in Silicon Valley. We can start as a DAO. I'd like to see more companies to, that have three co-founders from three different countries who never met each other. I'd like to see companies that may be started by people who are even anonymous to each other and, you know, get their way. And some of them would turn out to be, you know, high schoolers. They just, you know, prefer to not tell everyone how young they are. So basically opportunities for younger people, opportunities for international people, 
and uh, opportunities for more collaboration, composability, where like because they, each successful DAO is still on chain, all their like legal setup, all their subdivisions, all their guilds, all their voting, all their proposals, everything is on chain. It becomes easier and easier to copy and paste from organization to organization. Right now, it's very hard. Like I can't copy paste Facebook compensation system or their org chart or their, I don't know, internal communications or their Slack setup or something like that. But with DAOs, with more and more stuff going on chain, organizations can basically, very much like engineers, are copy and paste code on GitHub and become smarter, more successful, more powerful with every day. In organizational design, we can see the same. So where organizations copy, paste, and evolve, and fork, and duplicate, and then improve upon the organizational patterns from each other. And that can accelerate how the idea is how we build organizations. Oh, I love that idea of like open sourcing corporate structure and corporate building blocks so that instead of everyone having to reinvent the wheel and focus so much time on just doing what other people have already perfected, just being able to sort of copy and paste those and focus on what you're building in the world. It's almost like the AWSification of corporate structure where when finally startups didn't have to build and manage their own servers, they got a lot faster. They also got cheaper to build and you saw more of them starting up because you didn't need this super wide set of skills of like product and marketing, but also like deep server infrastructure kind of skills. Instead, you could just focus on what your unique value add to the world is. And I think that that's a really exciting future for DAOs because the lower we can lower the bar for entry and the more people we can get into the ecosystem, the more creativity the seat we'll see and the more unexpected, surprising and super exciting things we'll see built. And so that brings me to a question of what is your favorite DAO right now? What is something that you are super excited about that people are building? And uh, I can kick it off. One that I'm really excited about right now is called uh, Decentralians. It's also known as Invisible College. And basically it's a learning DAO, which is designed to make a really easy on-ramp for people to learn about Web3. So like if you're interested in this kind of talk today, you should check out Invisible College because you can join one of these Web3 working groups to figure out like, oh, we want to write guides to making your own NFTs or participating in DeFi staking or all these different interesting parts of the crypto ecosystem. And they're actually building this content together and it's just a really inviting and inclusive community of people who want to help each other. And I think that that's so important in this world to make sure that we get as many people in the door as possible. It can't be orthodoxical and all about gatekeeping and saying, oh, you weren't in it soon enough. You don't know enough. You haven't done enough. We don't need this credentialism of, oh, you don't own enough currency or you haven't you know, made enough transactions or haven't worked for one of these companies in the past. Like We just want it to be open. And I think that that's the most exciting opportunity. So definitely check out Invisible College if you want to get involved in both learning about Web3 or teaching others. Anybody else have favorite DAOs at the moment? I'm a big I, fan of just as, as a general class NFT collector DAOs. Most of them were formed last year, and I think they'll continue to evolve into these large digital powerhouses, almost like the digital analog of like a museum or gallery or historical institution. And if it's your first time hearing about them, I recommend you just go check out their portfolios on their websites. And so Flamingo DAO is the largest and first NFT collector DAO. There's Fingerprints, there's Pleaser DAO. Mebits DAO, Squiggle DAO, and a bunch more being created every single day. And that's a space I'm really excited about. I'll just continue on the same educational front as you, Josh. I think another super interesting one is a smaller DAO. It's a newer DAO called SkylineDAO.xyz. And they are focused on education and onboarding new people into Web3. And they have modules on DeFi, on Metaverse, on NFTs. And they're specifically um, trying to bring over builders that are in Web2 but want to make the transition and the jump to Web3 uh, into that world. 
not to pander to the crowd, but I have to do a plug for Alliance just because being at Consensus before and just really believing in kind of the incubator model of trying to spawn, you know, let a thousand flowers bloom. I think uh, what you guys are doing is pretty fantastic. Yeah, you can say your own DAO, but that's allowed. <laughs> First of all, I appreciate the kind words. Um, I want to give shout out to uh, a DAO in our current cohort called Archimeda. It's a DAO of architects, real architects, physical architects that want to build digital buildings in the metaverse, such as Decentraland. Super interesting because architecture, physical architects, it takes a long time for them to iterate on a project. However, the moment you move from the physical world to the digital world, iteration becomes a lot faster. Super excited about this DAO. It's called Archimeda. It's it's in our current cohort. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for joining us here today. It really means the world to me that you guys all joined us here uh, to talk about this future and it's taking it from such an optimistic and you know inclusive perspective. I think that's exactly what we need in in, in Web three. It's like we're all going to make it, including people who aren't in it yet. You all deserve to be part of it. And if you're listening, you are still early, as we like to say. Thank you guys all so much for joining. Want to give a quick shout outs. You know, if you're a DAO, you want some help getting started and figuring out exactly how to enact your purpose, definitely check out Alliance. If you want to build a DAO, SuperDAO is the easiest way to do it. One-click creation, treasury, newsfeed, governance, so much that you can do with this thing. It's such a simple way to be able to you know, align incentives and create a community together. So definitely check that out. McLean and, uh, and New Cypher and Threshold, like definitely check them out. Really amazing organizations, really cool protocol DAOs. And then Elaine and I are working at SignalFire. If you guys are interested in the future of Web3 and are building something in this space, or you're building something in telehealth, the creator economy, e-commerce infrastructure, uh, we would love to hear about it. We're a, a seed to series B fund with a billion dollars under management. And our specialty is helping with recruiting. We built this technology called Beacon, crunches a half trillion data points so we can rank hundreds of millions of people in the tech ecosystem on skill level and hireability so we can make thousands of intros to portfolio companies for the people that need to hire. Really helpful so that the founders can focus on product and go to market and the other things that they have on their plate rather than just constantly having to seek out new people to join their company. So if you're a fast growing company and want some help with recruiting, definitely check us out at SignalFire. We'd love to hear what you're building. So thank you for being here on Press Club where the big names in tech talk about the big ideas. Thanks so much. I'm Josh Constein. 